Well, hello and welcome to Growing Up with Papa. My name is Jason Ashley and I'm your host and Papa to about a dozen of the best kids in the world. We'll be tackling everything from bullfrogs to nursing home residents and talking about all the stuff that we've learned along the way. So if you're all grown up, then well, you know how important it is during the quiet alone times in your life to be to be able to be happy with who you are and have a peace with decisions that you've made. And you might know how tough it is to live with shame and scars because, well, you didn't have somebody to help point you in the right direction. Well, it takes a lot of love and some heavy-duty, hands-on commitment to help point kids in the right direction. And we hope you get on board and enjoy this wild ride we call Growing Up with Papa. Hey, did you hear that? Yep, that's still our name, Growing Up with Papa. Now, I had a little brainstorming incident a few days ago where I arbitrarily changed the name because here was my thinking on that. I thought about the names a Apopostolic, Apopostolic Doctrine, or Apopostolic Principles strictly because I wanted fellow apostolic uh, communities and people to look at the name and the icon and say, hey, that's one of our guys. We're going to support him. So I thought I would give people that opportunity by changing the name, but I didn't run it by my wife and I didn't run it by y'all, so... So I asked a couple people what they thought about it, and they missed the name growing up with Papa. So I said, well, let me do a little poll. So we laid it out there on Instagram, and 76% or something like that, people voted stick with growing up with Papa. Now, I understand it, and that's good. That's what we're going to do. And it's got a good meaning behind it. We're growing up together. We're going upward together, and we're all growing together. So, hey, that's what we're going to stick with. Now, before we get into the meat of the podcast here today, I want to take a moment to honor a very precious grandma to my grandchildren who recently gained her angel wings. Sister Carolyn Posey was so much more than a grandma to Brother Cade Posey and his family. She was the matriarch of the, of that family and a lady whose very presence just oozed with sweetness and a motherly comfort. She served God continually all her life, and her faithfulness to God and family affected the lives of many people in a positive way. She was a favorite at our local church. She was a solid saint, a source of refuge and regeneration to her family. She deeply touched the lives of our grandchildren, and she will be missed and remembered often around here. Now, here's a letter that our granddaughter Aaliyah wrote to Grandma soon after she gained her wings. Dear Grandma, like you have always said, I will always be your girl, Grandma's girl. Even if I can't hug you or talk to you, I will see you again soon. I know we're all sad, but also happy. Not happy because you're gone, but where you are. You're at the place with the absolute best person, Jesus. You impacted so many people's lives, mine for sure. Everyone's going to miss you dearly, but we will see you when we get to heaven, on the streets of gold with Jesus. 
I'll shed tears today, but that's because I love you and I will miss you. Until again, Grandma, when we're together, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. Free from all of it. Love, Aaliyah. One, everybody quiet on the set, and ready. All right, are we ready, Abigail? Yep. Yep, yep we got Abigail and Isaac right here in a live <coughs> in action right here at Papa's house. Now, we just got through. Me and Isaac and John Cade loaded up, rolled down the road to a couple of cow pastures and done some bass fishing, some brim fishing. What, we went after brim, didn't we, Isaac? Yeah, we went out the rim, but we caught, but I caught one bass, and John yeah. K caught like three bass. Them dudes wore <sighs> out the bass. We found a secret hole that nobody knows about. We're not telling anybody, are we? Nope. That's nope. right. Nope. So we just had a jam up fishing time. So we rolled out of that pond. Where'd we go next, Isaac? We went to the little pond, and I stayed in one spot, and I was catching the fire out of them, then I moved. The one spot I call little one. <laughs> he was catching a fire out of him, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about he when he when he moved. Oh, Abigail. So we are gonna talk about Abigail's possum. Abigail, go right ahead and just fill us in. All right, but I'm gonna talk about the mouse. Right? Oh, first we're gonna talk about so, the mouse. <clears throat> the, so we went to go check my mouse trap. Caught a mouse. Isaac shot him for me. We went to go. Uh, holly moth and in the trash can, and that was all about the mouse. I want to talk about my possum. Oh, now it's time to talk so about the possum. we went to go check the trap, and I called a possum. Max dumped him out. He was playing dead, and that's all. Oh, so this possum was playing possum, right? Yeah. Oh, that's what they'll do. So let's get back on this fishing business. So we run over there to the couple of cow pasture ponds. Now, let me talk about cow pasture ponds. Cow pasture ponds sometimes are some of the secret, sure enough, I'm talking about you can show up at one of them, and who knows what's in there. There may be an eight-pounder, a lunker, a, a hog, a bucket mouth yeah. laying in there under a limb, and you chunk a plug out there, a spinner bait, and drag it out past him, and that dude will latch on, and you talk about a fight. About we found a couple of them today. And Isaac, time to talk about wore them out. Caught the fire out of them. Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for hair and a biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a biscuit. If our hair and a biscuit today, this whole podcast session really is going to be centered around vision and physical eyesight as well as spiritual eyesight and you'll listen in our horse feed here in a little bit and be able to understand a little bit about where I'm coming from but for our hair and a biscuit today I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a lady that I talked about in a former podcast a great 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 grandmother of mine Mary Day Mary Furlow Day who lived to be a hundred and four years old and she died in 1937, and she was completely blind when she died. Now, her husband fought in the Civil War. I'm reading a, a newspaper clipping, just kind of gleaning through it. 
that I got a copy of in 1936. The year before she died, they went to her home and took a picture of her and interviewed her. And she was 103 at the time. And they were talking about all the things she saw, how she'd come up through the Civil War and her husband fought in the Civil War. And she told them that times were so tough and everyday supplies were just non-existent. So the, th and the things that we take for granted, she couldn't get a hold of. She, she wove and spun her own material and dyed it for clothes. But she said times got so bad that she boiled the dirt in the smokehouse floor for seasoning, for salt, for the salt that dripped off the meat in times past when they had cured meat in the smokehouse and where it dripped onto the dirt, that she boiled that dirt for salt. Now that's pretty desperate. She told about another time where some of the Union soldiers had looted her home and her and her children were hiding in a potato patch among the plants and vines, just hiding from them. And she was completely blind when she died. Now, that was something that somebody told her somewhere along the way that would supposedly get her eyesight back to her. And her great-granddaughter her great told me this, uh, who has since passed away, but she told me that this, uh, her great-grandmother, which would be my great-great-great, was told to do this certain procedure every morning, and she would get her eyesight back. Well... Apparently, your eyesight is very important because it's a really weird deal that uh, she was told to do, but she did it faithfully every morning, but she never got her eyesight back. It's going, this is kind of a weird deal, but here's what she did. Every morning, she washed her own eyes out with urine, her own urine. Yep, I said it. I know it's weird. I know it's a children's podcast. But it just, to me, it proves the desperation of this lady. And it proves just how important her eyesight was. If there was any chance that she would go to these extreme measures and this just off-the-wall suggestion that somebody give her for a slight chance, a possibility that she would be able to get her eyesight back. But she never did. But she lived a mighty long time. And don't y'all go trying that at home now. The trapping game is completely over. And we have established a heavyweight trapping champion. Who you think won it, Isaac? Miles Joy. That <laughs> Miles Joy put it on you boys. He sure did. We're going to have to get, a, get him on the phone and now see if we can do an interview with him. That rascal broke the 1,000-point mark, and he's getting an extra prize for that. We're going to get Miles on the phone and see what he thinks about that. All right, let's see if we can get old Trapper Miles on the phone here. See here what old Trapper Miles is doing. Brother Miles. What up? What's up, brother? What are you doing today? No, no, it's just at my papa's. Um, we was riding four wheelers, squirrel hunting. Riding four wheelers. That sounds like a thing to do, dude. Yes, sir. Say, so, all right, we got we winding this podcast up. We closed out that last little old trapping game. So uh, it looks like you're the world heavyweight champion. Plus, you got a a mystery gift. It's a double barrel mystery gift. 
So do you want me to tell you what the mystery gift is, or do you want to uh, wait and be surprised by it? Give me the uh, mystery prize first. Mystery prize first. All right. Yes. These other boys is going to be jealous now. You ready for this? Yes, sir. It's going to be a exclusive extra razor sharp case pocket knife with your name engraved on it. What about that? Man, that sounds really good. <laughs> that make make them boys want to get up and do something. So since uh, trapping season's over with, you still want a uh, choice between a live trap and a dog-proof trap and $20? Well, um, I thought a steel trap was in the choice, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do a steel trap, a regular foot trap. I'll do that. We'll get you a number one steel trap. Well... Yeah, I'll take a steel trap, and I'll take that pocket knife. That'll, that'll be, be fine. That'll be good. All right, I'll get your name put on it. Miles Joy, put his name on there. Well, since I got you on the phone, I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question. Since you're a super... All right. Uh, since you excelled so well in this trapping game, and you proved that you can do take something that you've never done and be good at it, that lets us know that you're going to be rich and famous one of these days. So what we're doing, we're going to pretend like right now you're rich and famous, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. All right. I'm going to ask you a question, Mr. Rich and Famous. Mr. Rich and Famous, I realize that you are a super guy, and you have dri you're driving one of the best vehicles in the world. What kind of vehicle is it that you got since you're rich and famous? Uh, a Ford. A Ford. That's what I'm talking about. Is it four-wheel drive? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh-huh. Now, how much money are you making a week now? Uh, 2000 About $2,000 a week. Lord, you're knocking down the big bucks. Now, what kind of, uh, what's the whole reason you got rich and famous? Uh, I saved up since I was real young. Yeah. Probably from all them foxes you're catching. <laughs> I know you rich and famous. You get to do all kind of stuff you I, I see you're pretty strong and got big muscles. How much you bench press now? 300. Good Lord, man. All right. Well, it's good talking to you, Mr. Rich and Famous. And we're going to see you at Sunday school in the morning. How about that? That'll be fine. Um, am I getting my prizes in the morning? Uh, I have. I got to buy you a trap next week when I get back up to Monroe. And so I'll, I'll have them probably Tuesday night at church. How about that? All right, sounds good. All right, then. I'll catch you later, Big Daddy. Bye. All right. Bye. This trapping game went on for a while. I think it was two complete months' worth, and we had a ton of critters caught. Now, Isaac had a special deal he wanted to talk <laughs> about. It's like one another one of them phenomenons we like to talk about. Go ahead and tell us about it there, Isaac. So me and Abigail went to go check the traps. We checked my tracks in the woods, checked our tracks in the golf can, because we had rats and mice living in the dog pen. I checked mine, I looked it up, and then I looked at Abigail's, and she caught a mouse too, so we both caught a mouse. Doubled up on the mice in the dog pen. Whoa, 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 hold on there a minute, boots. When you hear that sound, that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit. Cause there's more in there than just horse feed. <laughs> this is all kind of falling together. And the, when I'm recording this, tomorrow 
I'm going to have LASIK surgery done on my eyes. So all those Bible quiz questions that I've been holding pretty far out to be able to read, maybe I'll be able to see them a little better and be able to read a road sign or something. But, but this is exciting to me. This is something that's very valuable to me. I mean, how, who can put a value on your eyesight? Who can, I mean, it's just it's invaluable to be able to see. And the Bible talks about a man in John chapter 9 that was blind, sitting by a gate. And then Jesus came by one day. And the Bible says in chapter 9, verse, starting at verse 6, he said, When he had thus spoken, talking about Jesus, he spat on the ground. Now, you talk about a crazy hair and a biscuit. Here's Jesus spitting on the ground. And what's he going to do? He made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Oh, my goodness. And I thought my great, great, great grandmother was doing something out of desperation. And he said unto him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Well, praise the Lord. That did work. Maybe my great, great, great grandmother was kind of on to something there. Now, this man was blind from birth, the Bible talks about. But Jesus pointed out to this, to this group of people, you can go back and read it, that this man done nothing wrong. His parents didn't sin. They was questioning Jesus, dude, what's going on here? What happened? What's the cause of this? He said his parents didn't sin to cause his loss of sight. It's nobody's fault. But he bore this condition so that the rest of the world could see that the revelation of who Jesus is and why he came, he was blind so that the rest of the world would be able to see who Jesus is and what he does. Now, Jesus performed a peculiar process here we talked about. This process that brought about healing and restoration. And after the man obeyed it and acted upon the commandment that God in the flesh gave him, he was healed and he could see. But I'm going to ask you a question here. Why spittle, why dust, and why a mixture of the two? And why did the final outcome lie solely on the response of the man himself? Now, all you high-powered preachers, sharpen your pencil up and get ready because this is fixing to get good. Now, I had this figured out here a while back, and I taught it in a couple of lessons, but you just listen to this. So we're all born into a world of darkness, just like the blind man. And it's not our fault. We're born into sin, the Bible talks about. It's just part of being in this world. This world is just full of sin. And even though we don't choose to partake in it, it will infect our sight, our vision, our vision of the way out of here. No matter how hard we try, we cannot see salvation on our own without a process that the creator himself, I'm going to say, performed on this blind man. And the word of God tells us that we have to do to achieve salvation. Sin will do some crazy things to you. It makes you feel ashamed. But we've got to understand that we're born this way. It's not our fault, just like this blind man. But it's for a purpose, just like this blind man. There's a process that brings deliverance. And this crazy process that Jesus did, I think, had some significance. 
It had some purpose. It, it was a type of something to come. Now, the very substance that comes from the mouth of God, I'm not talking about spittle right here. I'm talking about his word. We've got the Bible. We've got the written word of God. His word has to be combined with the dust of the earth. And I'm not talking about the dirt right here. I'm talking about man himself. To become the mediated salve that saves us. Now, are you understanding what I'm saying? The word of God mixed with the dust of the earth is what creates this process called a preacher that preaches to us so that we could be saved, so that we could see the right way. Now, the spittle of Jesus mixed with the dust of the earth, the anointed word that came directly out of the mouth of God has to be mixed with the man that God created from dust to create the clay of a preacher. Preaching saves us that believe. Amen? But the saving part, the action that brought about the salvation, the believing and obeying, had to be performed by the individual it was applied to. You see, without obedience to the process, the man would not have been delivered from darkness. Are you getting that? Young people today have got the perfect process operating everywhere they turn. The process that was set in order by Jesus himself. They, through their pastor, their teachers, youth directors, Sunday school programs, youth programs, youth camps. This process is applied continuously to these blind people, these young people. But the perfect process will not work on its own. It's up to each blind soul to leave that application of salvation in obedience and wash their eyes in the living water that is sent, that flows freely, and that will never run dry. Mm. You must wash your eyes because even though it's not your fault, the darkness is targeting you and you have got to obey. Now, the best program in Pentecost, the application of the word of God by the man of God, however it comes through preaching, through teaching, through whatever, will leave you blind and wondering if you do not make up your mind to activate that process by constantly washing your eyes. It's up to you. It's up to each individual person to obey what Jesus said. You can't go through your life with a mud mask and expect it to lead you to the light. You've got to get up, go to the pool, wash your face. That dark sin is not your fault. That blindness was not that man's fault. What Jesus said and that sin is, you may have made some crazy decisions, but you were born in sin. It's just part of the Adamic nature. And don't try to go to the fountain without the stuff that came from God's mouth that will only stick with, when mixed with dust. You, you've got to have the full process. You've got to have the word of God, the man of God, preaching the word of God. And then you've got to obey when the word is applied, you've got to make the next step. Because sin wants you to think it's your fault. 
Even though we try, our eyes will become dim and blinded by the constant bombardment of hell. We can make it if we submit to the process that's being applied to our lives and obey through the action of daily repentance. Now, I've seen all my life apostolic churches are full of empty pews that used to hold young people that had the mud smeared all over them. But they never got up and found that pool for themselves. They stood and had Jesus himself and every variable of the word and clay cover the window to their soul, which is their eyes, then stood there unaffected, unmoved, waiting on the next facial mud bath, or they'd fall back into the shadows, ashamed of the blindness that seems like it should be somebody's fault, but it's just part of living in a wicked world. There's so many awful opportunities for children to be scarred by the tools of hell, causing cataracts of confusion and embarrassment and leaving them wounded and unwilling to admit inevitable failure. But without a personal and intimate interaction with the living water, you will never see the light or be a light to this world. Now, the blind man was led by his parents and his leaders, or they were his leaders since he was born. But there was nobody with him to help him when Jesus passed by. Now, this is the only incident, you go back and look in the Bible, where a blind man was healed without crying out or being brought before Jesus. You see, Jesus wants us to accept his word and wash in the water even if we don't ask him. So many times in your lives already, this mud, this process, this mixture of word of God and dust of the earth through the preaching of the word has been applied to your life already so, so, so many times. Now don't pass up the opportunity to wash in the pool every chance you got you get. You've got to make that step on your own. You've got to get up and go to the pool. Jesus couldn't do it for him. His mom and daddy couldn't do it for him. Jesus said, go wash yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Don't let that cause you to not complete the process. You've got to make your way to that fountain. We're born in sin. We all are and shaping in iniquity. And we cannot bypass the water. It's the last step before seeing the light for the first time, before being able to see. It's the final act that will show you the way out of sin and out of darkness and out of this world. The water is the last step. Repent and be baptized. That's obedience to the word. And that was given by the mixture of a man called Peter, the dust of the earth, and the word of God out of the mouth of God on the day of Pentecost. And he said, if you'll obey that, then you'll be able to see. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Being able to see is so important. Don't let, don't let your pride stop you. Don't let embarrassment stop you. Don't let shame. Don't let lethargy or just don't let the things of this world steal that away from you. It's the most important thing in your life to be able to accept that process, that mixture, my, my, have it applied to your life, and then you get up, you go to that living water, you repent, 
daily and wash your face so that you can see how to get out of here. All right, Camille's going to sing Baby Shark. Here she goes, ladies and gentlemen, right now. Here we go, Camille Posey. Yay! Baby Shark. <laughs> Are you through? Is that all?